I want to get you talking first. So before you have to listen to me for a while, um, how about if you chit-chat at your tables for a little bit? And here's the question. Uh, pick just one favorite thing about the holidays for you. It could be a food, a person, a gift, a tradition. Just one of your favorite things about the holidays. And also just make sure you know each other's names and say hi to each other, okay? So ready, set, go. One of my new favorite things about holidays, brand new, is traveling to see my kids. They are now adults living in different places. So um, I literally just got back from Indiana like this morning at one o'clock, um, uh, seeing my son who is in uh, school there, he's a junior. And we got to uh, spend Thanksgiving with him, and we brought his fiance with us so that they could be together as well. So we had a great time in Bloomington. A um, couple highlights. One was I've never crashed a stranger's uh, Thanksgiving uh, party before, but we did that. Because my son was at this home of these wonderful people from his church, um, people who take such good care of him, and he'd ha they'd had the meal, and they, they'd had dessert, and they're playing games. And we arrive into town at about 7. He just gives us the address. We knock on the door, walk in, eat their leftovers, and it was amazing. Uh, so that was the first, first time for us on that one. The other first time was this morning, driving home from the airport, and we're really hungry, but it's midnight. So where do you go? And we were coming from Pacific, uh, no, yes, Forest Grove. So there's no, like, restaurants, right? So we get into West Salem. And we're like, okay, it's McDonald's. I had McDonald's french fries at one o'clock this morning. Mm -hmm. I have not done that. I don't know when the last time. I, probably 30 years ago, right? Yeah, when I was in college. So uh, a couple of fun things for us, my family this holiday. Also, my daughter um, lives in Costa Rica right now. So guess where I'm going in uh, next week? Um, I know, poor me, huh? So from Indiana to Costa Rica, Yep, it sucks to be me. Um, so I will be doing some sunning in December. Um, yep, looking forward to that. All right, so tonight we are going to talk about the topic of identity. We are going to use a triangle to do that. And in fact, you have space on your paper, and some of you have already started, um, to draw this lovely triangle. Um, yes, the triangle does have three sides, and it's not that hard to draw, so I think we can all do this. Um, also, I have some lines that are going to help us out here. Some of them have squigglies, and some of them are straight, okay? And notice the um, direction of the arrows. That's important as well. Uh, and then on the triangle, we have up here Father, as in God the Father. Down here, the word identity. If you can't see the word over here, and if you can't read my writing, <laughs> um, obedience. And then I also, in parentheses, like to use the word do. So that'll all make sense in just a second here. Uh, so take a minute to kind of copy what you see here on the board, a simple triangle. And we're gonna talk about identity together. So while you're finishing drawing, when we use the word identity and talk about this topic together in a spiritual environment, what do you think we mean by that? Do you have any synonyms or phrases or other ideas that help us to unpack what it is we're talking about? Anybody? Who am I? Yes. What else? Identity. What else? What do we mean by that? Who am I is a great place to start, Kim. Transparency. Transparency. Okay, that's a good word. For sense of self. Uh-huh. Worth. Yep. Any others? 
I think I'll add um, value, how I value myself or what I value about myself. My sense of purpose is another good word. Okay, so who am I? Why am I? So on this triangle, um, we're going to first deal with these squiggly lines and notice that oftentimes in our spiritual life and our spiritual sense of identity, that oftentimes our sense of who we are can come from the things that we do. Okay, so if I do the right things, if I do enough things, if I obey God well enough, then I can feel good about myself. I can feel worthy. I can feel valuable. Okay, so oftentimes this is how it works, at least for me. I don't know if anybody else can relate to this, but that's how sometimes we can think. Now, what happens when we think this way? I'm going to go squiggly line up here is that, I don't know about you, but I actually can't do all of these things, or I can't do them perfectly, or there's never an end to all these things. Um, get what I'm saying here? And so the way that I relate to the Father and my sense of who I am can become shameful. So I'm going to put the word shame right here by this squiggly arrow that's pointing to the Father. I cannot measure so my sense of identity is never quite enough. So I relate to the Father out of a sense of shame. Which then leads me down here, this other side, down to this obedience. Um, so I operate from, from a place of fear. Because I think that God, the Father, needs me to do all these things. Needs me to obey him perfectly in order to be okay with him as well. Okay? So... My relationship with him is characterized by fear. And then I'm going to put the word down here, slavery. And I'm sorry that I have terrible handwriting. But that is the word slavery right there. That I'm in bondage to all this stuff that I have to do in order to be okay. Anybody relate at all to this train of thought? Yes, from time to time at least. So what we want to talk about tonight also is that there could be another way. In fact, I want to uh, remember a scene in the scriptures that is at the first, the front part of the story of Christ in the Gospels. And it is when Jesus Christ is being baptized and he has not done anything yet. He hasn't done anything. He hasn't obeyed the Father publicly yet. And what happens? What does the Father say? When, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus hadn't done anything yet. And yet the Father spoke his identity over him and about him to others. So we want to look at that, that story of Christ and say, man, is that us too? And isn't that a gift of grace? That when I hear the Father speak identity over me, it's not because I did something to earn it. It's just because of his grace and who he says I am. So from this place of identity... I get to do things, I get to obey God, and I get to do that from a place of freedom. So I'm going to put the word freedom down here in case you can't see. And the way I relate to the Father is not out of fear, but 
perfect love casts out fear. And this gets to be a cycle. He tells me who I am. I get to obey and do things with him and for him. And it's out of love that we have this relationship. And I get my sense of identity, purpose, value, worth. Okay? Is that making sense so far? Now, I think we can all say we long for this way of thinking and being and doing. And yet, oftentimes, we find ourselves trapped going the wrong way around the triangle. So that's what we want to kind of explore tonight. Um, First of all, looking at ways that I get trapped, and then talking about how do we kind of invite God to help us get unstuck and go this way, the way that he's invited us to go as we think about our identity, not just think about it, but live it in Christ. And so the first thing I want us to do is um, take some reflection time and just start to think about, like, what are my sort of identity lies? What is it that's happening here that gets me trapped? What do I believe about myself that probably isn't what God is saying about me? Let me give some examples from my own life. Um, One of my identity lies is that my worth and value depends on all the stuff I can get done. Okay? And I'm sure many of you, again, can relate to that. And so, what are symptoms of that in my life? Um, My calendar is often too full. Or, if I didn't get a lot done that day, then I don't feel as good about myself. Okay? So that's how I can tell that I have an identity lie or wound in my life. That's a common one for me. That's a common place for me to get stuck. Um, One that I'm more newly realizing, so it's kind of harder to talk about, but I will anyway, um, is I have realized I do not like to be needy. So my sense of identity is one of um, overworked independence. Okay, so I don't need help. I don't need to ask for help. Um, Actually, when people offer help, I will probably say no, which isn't always a bad thing, but it gets really, really overworked because it's coming from the wrong place, right? It's coming from, I've got to prove something. My identity is getting all screwed up so that I can feel good about myself. I overwork and overuse my sense of independence so that I'm not needy. Okay, so there's a couple examples. Some of our um, identity lies actually start in really good places. For instance, many of us are moms or grandmas, and a lot of our identity is about being a mom, being a grandma, being a sister, being a family member, right? And that's a good thing. That's appropriate for us to want to be good moms and good sisters and good grandmas. But does that sometimes define us too much in the grip it becomes the the thing that if I'm not a good mom then then what if my kids aren't doing as well as I think they should be then who am I and so watching for those good things that turn into the things that can grip us and become more than what God is, is speaking over us. Okay, does that make sense? These identity lies that we're living with um, and <clears throat> being enslaved by. So I want to give us uh, an opportunity to do some personal reflection, and it's on your page here. And the simple question is, 
what are some of your identity lies? So taking some time to journal tonight, we'll just take maybe five minutes or so, and I have a couple of prompts that might help you. So I tend to base my value and worth on how I look, what kind of a mom I am, how my friends feel about me. Uh, Second one, if I do blank, then I can feel good about myself. Third one, if I didn't always do this, then I would be okay. Or fourth one, who am I without fill in the blank? Okay, does that make sense? And then if you just have your own thoughts you want to journal as well, just use up this space and then I will kind of call us back together. This is just some quiet personal reflection for the next couple of minutes. I'd love for us to take some time um, to share around tables and, uh, but, and realizing this is a bit of a vulnerable question. So always um, you have the freedom to pass. Um, don't feel like you have to share everything, but sometimes it's helpful to verbally process with others. And it's also encouraging and helpful to hear others' experiences. So um, The question we've got before us is, what is an identity lie that you often find yourself trapped in, and what does that look like for you? So at tables, if you would just share what you're able and willing to share, um, some of the things that you're thinking, and then once again, I will get us back together in a couple minutes. Thanks, ladies, for sharing with each other, for listening to each other. Um, I'm guessing that we all have this longing to be people who hear from the Father this gift of grace as he speaks over, this is my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. And so the question before us is, is how do we put ourselves in that posture to hear those words from our Father? And so I want to start in a very good place, and that would be Scripture. And so if you turn your pages over... On the back there, I've got Romans 8 and Ephesians 1, and I'm going to read through these um, rather slowly, and I invite you as I read to just underline anything that grabs your attention tonight um, as the Father speaks over you, who you are, his truth. See if anything grabs your attention tonight in particular. So Romans 8, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Ephesians 1. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace 
that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with wisdom and understanding. Take a second, maybe go back to a piece that stuck out to you. Circle it. Ask God to show you more if he wants to. And just chew on it for a bit. And now would you share with each other if there was a word or an idea that stuck out to you? It could be directly from the scripture. It could be an entirely different word because God's word is living, breathing, active, alive. So what is he saying to you about who you are in him? Just share a little bit, a little bit with each other. Go for it. Hate to interrupt, but it's what I do when I'm up here. So, <laughs> so um, I wish I could tell you that, you know, because you were here at the gathering tonight and we read some scriptures and we shared with each other and we prayed, you're just going to go like this from now on. Voila. Yay. Okay. Now, um, you know, I'm being silly, but so for me, like this performance, my lie about like what I do, I mean, it's an everyday thing, you know, and, and so what I'd love to finish up with um, this evening is talking about just a spiritual rhythm that we can engage in as we find ourselves kind of going back to our old patterns. Um, what can we do just as a rhythm, okay? So an ongoing practice where we just get a, get a little bit closer into this sense of, oh yeah, he says this about me. And that it's, it's not a one and done, but it's a, it's, a, it's a daily, a regular thing. So I've got five um, steps here listed on your, the, the rest of your page that I'd like to kind of walk us through and talk through what this might look like for us. And the first one, we will call self-awareness. And it's very important to read the rest of what I wrote there. Become a non-judgmental observer of yourself. Um, that word non-judgmental, that's tricky, isn't it? Okay? I think one of the reasons that many of us um, shy away from practicing self-awareness is because of how we treat ourselves when we do. And so that is a super important word here, um, that self-awareness is only helpful when we are learning to be more and more non-judgmental. And I'm going to make a couple arguments for that. One would be in Romans 2, God says, I am the judge, you are not. And I'm, I'm totally paraphrasing here, so please go back and read the text. But um, basically he says, I know what I'm talking about and you don't. So when we judge each other and ourselves, it's from a place of limited knowledge. We get to go to a really cool, good, kind, wise, knowledgeable, just judge who's going to do the right thing. When I go to myself as judge, I'm not very good at it. I'm mean. I don't give myself any tools to get out of, you know, the situation. And so I'm a bad judge. So I need to get myself out of that seat, off of the throne or whatever, you know, and go to the good judge. That's one argument. Another, um, if you grew up in Sunday school like I did, or your kids are growing up in Sunday school, you learn early on about the fruit of the Spirit, right? We could, many of us could probably quote what they are. Often, we learn them in the context of how we treat each other. 
Do we learn them in the context of how we treat ourselves? Or have we thought about that? Okay, so before I go there, let's think about um, when Jesus was asked, what was the greatest commandment, Jesus? And he says, the first one is love the Lord your God with all your heart. The second one is love each other as... Okay, so if I'm mean to myself, and then I'm supposed to love... Okay, you see where I'm going with this? Okay, so I think within that commandment, there's this kind of... Um, assumed idea from Jesus that I might love myself well and then I'm going to love you that way. So, will you listen to Galatians 5 in the context of maybe I'm supposed to treat myself this way. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is an invitation to how you get to treat others, but also yourself. Non-judgmental self-awareness. When I look at my calendar and I go, I filled it up again, didn't I? Okay, what's, what's the patient, gentle response to myself? Oh, I'm feeling overwhelmed and too busy again. What is the non-shaming response to myself? How about um, this one? Colossians 3 is another. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Um, Another good one. To not just apply to how we treat each other, but how we treat ourselves. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, And he says, he's saying here, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. I'm going to take a liberty and say also, bear with yourself, forgive whatever grievances you may have against yourself. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. (laughs) Forgive yourself as the Lord forgave you. I believe we get to read these as invitations to how we treat all humans including ourselves. And then we can also love each other as we love ourselves. So that is the non-judgmental observer of yourself. And I think that we get to be tenacious about this because not many of us are very good at it. It's something that takes a lot of practice, a lot of honesty, a lot of prayer. Um, I I see a spiritual director once a month who helps me just in my own spiritual walk, and he's super good at reminding me that when I'm practicing this kind of self-awareness, I'm gathering helpful information. So when I see myself filling up my calendar over and over again and um, just demanding of myself, that I just get to bring that to the table. Oh, that is helpful information so that tomorrow I can make a different decision. But if I never even look at it, I'm unaware that it's going on, I'm in denial, or I'm shaming myself, I can't make those decisions. I just keep doing the same thing over and over again. So a non-judgmental observer is going to gather helpful information about themselves so that we can grow out of our stuck places and into this place of grace. All right, let's keep going. Uh, Self-awareness. So we gather the information, and then we move into confession, which is simply 
talking to God about what we are observing. That's it. I confess, God, (laughs) that yes, I filled my calendar again. Or yes, I did not ask for help. I bring that to you, God. And once again, you're the good judge. And actually, this judge is full of what? The fruit of the Spirit? This judge is the very spirit we're talking about. So when we say gentleness, kindness, patience, self-control, la, 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 right? That is describing who God is. I get to bring the stuff that I'm observing to God and confess it. And receive his compassion, receive his gentleness, his kindness that brings healing to these stuck places. Third, the word revelation. We ask God to tell us his truth about our worth, our value, and our purpose. I don't know about you, but I can read beautiful passages in scripture like the ones we just read. And sometimes they just stay right here. I want them to go deeper into my heart and my soul and into my life and my behaviors. And so I believe that the way that that happens is through inviting God's revelation. So that I'm not just reading and knowing, but so that he is speaking it into my being. I need to hear it from God himself in some way. Now that can sound a lot of different ways. It can be exactly what we just did, where it comes off the page and speaks to you. Yes, I hear you, God. It can also be a gentle whisper. It can be a conversation. It can be while I'm journaling. It can be while I'm painting or running or checking out nature and God's creation. So many different ways and times and places that God can bring his revelation and His word comes alive to us. Um, I have an example that I've shared many times, and you've probably heard it before, but this is one way I get to remember something that God has said to me, is sharing it. So years ago, I'm driving to work, and I'm coming over the bridge, and I'm thinking about all the things I have to do. I have this list of tasks. And then I think, oh, yeah, I should say hi to God, or, you know, something like that. So I do the, like, hey, God, and I hear back, the words, I love you. Now, the reason I knew that it was God is because it wasn't me, and it was off topic, and you know what I mean? So it just kind of came out of left field, and my husband wasn't in the car, you know. Um, So I had the sense that it was God, but I was irritated because it was off topic, and I was getting ready for the day, and so I wasn't being a very good listener. And so what God did in his kindness was he was kind of like that three-year-old in the back of the car where he just went, I love you, I love you, I love you. And wouldn't like stop talking and wouldn't stop saying it and crowding out my thoughts so that I couldn't be that obsessive, compulsive, think about my list of things to do that day. So by the time I got to work, I pulled up right there, had tears streaming down my face because I, guess what, I knew I had just heard, this is my daughter in whom I am pleased. She's my beloved. He said, I love you, I love you, I love you. And this was probably 8.30 in the morning. I hadn't gotten anything done yet. Now, did I go to work and just sit on my butt and do nothing? No. I still got stuff done. I still got to be me, but it was from this 
place of being loved. And that is a revelation that I get to keep going back to and remembering over and over again and inviting over and over again, God, I need to hear it again because I'm, I'm stuck. I'm doing this thing again. Okay, God, how do you want to remind me today who I am, that I'm loved before I do anything? Revelation looks and sounds a million different ways. Our job is to invite it, to seek it, to ask for it, and then listen. So, actually, oh, I'm running out of time. Never mind. At home, (laughs) will you practice just simply asking God in your own way, God, what do you think about me? What do you love about me? What do you value about me? And just listen throughout the day for his response. Whether it's a whisper, scripture, a song, an image, let him reveal it to you. And as he does, then we get to meditate on that. We get to go back to it, kind of like I just shared my story with you. I go back to that over and over again. I find ways to remember what God is telling me. And so we get to journal it, paint it, tell somebody. Um, What are some other ideas of how to like kind of keep coming back to it, how to meditate on the things that we've heard? Anybody? More ideas? Say that again. A song, yes, a lot of the songs are speaking these truths, right? So if there's a song that's reiterating what God has spoken to you, listen to it over and over again. Let it be your song. Other ideas that I'm missing? Say that again. Ooh, okay, if you didn't hear that, she said she's got a, she writes a heart. Is it a tattoo or you use a pen? Oh, just a pen, a heart right here so she can just look down and see it. So like a visual reminder, a screensaver, a sticky note, um, dry erase on your mirror, in, like you're getting ready in the morning and you heard God say something to you three days ago and you get to see it then the next day and the next day and the next day as you're getting ready, those kinds of things. Let's get creative about this and remember what God is saying to us. And then uh, my last suggestion here is choose it. Uh, We get to be stubborn here, ladies, okay? Stubbornly cling to what God says. It is the truth. What is God saying about you? Those lies are going to come. They're going to come from my own just self-talk. They're going to come from culture, um, and they'll come at you in a lot of different ways. You, You already know that, and so you get to be stubborn about what God says to you about who you are and cling to it. I just looked at the clock, and I'm out of time, so... Thank you uh, for being here tonight, and I want to actually just lead us through just a short time of prayer, Um, and so I'm going to lead us through um, these five steps, and I um, encourage you and invite you to take them with you as a spiritual rhythm of walking in identity. So let's pray together. So God, would you, um, our good judge, would you teach us how to be non-judgmental observers of the ways that we get stuck about who we are? Would you keep bringing to light 
these areas? And would you um, break the shame that often comes up when we think about them? And so we confess to you tonight that often we believe the lies. And we ask you, oh God, that you, in your many creative ways, would reveal who do you say that we are? What do you love about us? What do you like about how you created me? Would you keep speaking these things over us? We will come back to them. And we will be stubborn and listen to your voice. You are the voice of truth. And ladies, tonight I bless you with these words. Even before he made the world, God loved you. He chose you in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Amen.